0: This is the Championship Clubs Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Championship Clubs Podcast. We're two rounds into the season, but there is already plenty to discuss. Here with me to do that today, talking through the opening games, the early pace setters, and this weekend's games, it's our very own Champ expert Ben
2: Gulliver. Gully, a pleasure as always. Yeah, Andy Ross. This is this is good. We've got some. A regular host uh, and it's good to be back on talking a bit of Champ Rugby and it's been an exciting couple of weeks with some, uh, I'm just looking through the Champ champ Rugby Twitter handles and uh, highlights have been going out, there's been some great tries scored, the weather's been great and I think the supporters have been enjoying their rugby.
1: Absolutely, yeah, there's been some cracking content on the on the channels and that's come largely from some some pretty good rugby too and yeah, two rounds in, a bit early to to talk about things shaping up and and how they're looking for the rest of the season, but certainly plenty to discuss. I mean, obviously, we started in, in round one on the Friday nights, but <clears throat> I don't think you can really look beyond the first the first round of games and, and that Ealing Doncaster game. And obviously, Ealing coming out on top there, 29, uh, 29 points to 10, I believe it was. So, yeah, a bit of a uh bit of a revenge mission for them. Obviously, Doncaster beat them home and away last season, bit of a title battle with those with those two sides. What was your take on that one, Gully?
2: But you you bang on there, and sort of Donny doing the job on them twice last year, uh, and I think for Ealing's, you know, title challenge, and you know that's where they want to be. They want to win the league. Made a bit of a statement, didn't it? 29-10 probably doesn't reflect the game. i reading the reports, but uh, I think Donny hung in there pretty well. But I think for Ealing, that's you know that's got them off to a flyer, um, and we all know if you start well um you, you can sort of get a bit of momentum early and it's hard still to look beyond dealing but um you know i think some teams will have a look at their performance and still fancy their chances there especially you know you guys down at pirates you know jersey are going well looking at the first weekend again we've got them beating Am- Amptil, at at 36 21 as we know is a real tough place to go I've spoken previously on here about the rivalry between until and Jersey. They've come up through the leagues on a similar sort of journey, uh, played you know, through the lower leagues. And Jersey would be super pleased without picking up five points on the road there. Um, so, yeah, the two early pace setters, uh, Jersey and Ealing, have, uh, have got off to good starts.
1: And then I suppose the other big story of the opening round and maybe the opening two rounds is Coldy and their first involvement in the league. They obviously hosted... Hartbury on, on opening day. They were beaten 33-22, but put up a, a good fight against Hartbury, who we said might struggle. Obviously, they, they've done pretty well there to, to go and uh, get over a potential banana skin early, but we'll come on to, to Coldy again a little bit later on and what they did in round two. Um, obviously, as well, we've got Nottingham, who recorded a pretty impressive away win at London Scottish at the RAG. Uh, I'm not sure how that one was going to go before the game, but I think, uh, I think Nottingham look a little bit more like it this season. They're a bit improved. We'll talk about their, their performance against uh, the Pirates in round two a little bit later as well. And maybe a little bit of a disappointing one for Scottish. I think they might have targeted that gully, don't you?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so. But I think, Ross, when we were chatting last time, I think because of their relationship, the the, the new coaching setup, the new relationship with Quinn's, I, I think we'll be four, five, six games before we see the real London Scottish. But as you say, not so are in second season under Hamo again. I think picked up five points. I think Nottingham will be really pleased with that. And as you mentioned, this sort of is a tough place for you guys to go. The uh, the weekend just gone, and then I was just looking at um, sort of Friday night fixtures that weekend. So Pirates beating Richmond, but I mean, only just wasn't it? It was twenty one fourteen. It was a tight game. Uh, I. I saw. Um, I, I had a week off last week, and I had a catch up with Paves. And it was, it was the week. Um, it's the week before that, actually. So it was. Um, it was. It was interesting chatting to Paves and their your goals for the season. But a twenty-one fourteen from the outside. I did wasn't at the game. Looks like a. Uh, looks like a real tight affair, and Richmond look like they're here to play a bit this year.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think. I think. One of the first things that came into my mind after the game was to to give Richmond a, a great deal of credit. They stopped our mall, which was a big weapon for us last year. Obviously, we've lost uh, quite a lot of personnel there, but it was still very well drilled. And it was a maybe a little bit of a the, after the Lord Mayor show with us. I mean, we played Exeter the week before, put 40 points on a young side in front of a, a you know a capacity crowd, and getting yourself up for that a week later in front of a, a slightly smaller crowd against the nuggety team. Mark bright was outstanding as usual um and yeah they disrupted our mall. I think uh, I think 217 would probably be in a fair reflection. we were pushing for that bonus point at the end and and through an intercept but yeah, I think Richmond deserved their bonus point. they were uh, yeah they were impressive um we'll talk about how they got on in round two in a moment, but they they certainly gave us a, a run for our money on on that Friday night on opening day and just looking elsewhere to complete that first round of fixtures Coventry who we said might have a better season this season, sort of flattered to deceive a bit last year, picking up a, a good home win on opening night. A baying home crowd up in Cov is, is, is a bit of a tricky one to start, really. But again, Bedford are another team that, after the opening round, have, have also improved as well and, and picked up a win. But we'll talk about those in a minute. What did, what did you think about the uh, the Cov-Bedford score there, Gully?
2: Yeah, I I thought Bedford would win that game. I, I might well. Well, I couldn't do the predictions because it, with, with the, what happened with the Queen, it was I was going to go with the Bedford win, so I'm glad I didn't do it, to be fair, <laughs> but by all accounts, it wasn't the most attractive of games to watch, but you know, Cov will be just happy to get a win, um, and like you say, they, sort of, they ended the season really well, getting to the final last year, and it sort of gives them a bit of momentum going into this season um, with a new group of players, I mean, they've lost they've lost a bit of experience, that Cov team, so I think um, they'll be really chuffed with that win, um, and Bedford you know, I think I think they'll have a good year, um, but it was a poor start basically for them. But you know, teams lose, teams win. Uh, Bedford will be good, become good this year for sure.
1: And then into round two, um, I mean, we can't look we can't look beyond that coldie result, really, can we? It sounded like an absolute thriller at the Rag, thirty-four points to thirty-two in favor of the visitors. Their first championship win and away from home at that against the, like I say, a Richmond side that. It looked pretty impressive against us on opening night, but I do believe Mr. Gulliver called that correctly on the
2: predictions. Mate, what a fucking result that is. I don't mind swearing. That is I, I did call it. I got six from six, mate. So I'm just gonna throw that in. <laughs> I've never done that. So um I was the Coldy one was a risky one, but actually, looking at how they went the weekend before, they came up good in the second half against Hartbury. I don't know if you saw the Nick Royal. Try not try. Was it a try? I don't know if he awarded it. It was a difficult one on the camera angle. But iran th- that guy's been doing that for years. By the way, I mean what a player he is. I think he's nearly fifty, and he's still quick. Like I said on the on the predictions, I love their socials. They're funny, and it just seems like a real good place to be. And I think if you're a player at that rugby club, you're enjoying your rugby. You got um, they have a boozy bus on the way home. That you know they do it right. They do it up a little bit old school they know their own skin and I was really chuffed that they got their first win and it's, I know it's only two games in, but with relegation back, you know, that's that's a vital, vital win for them and it's uh, against potentially one of the teams that may or may not be the towards the end, bottom of the season, but, you know, it's I, I, was, I was well chuffed for them, I really pleased, obviously, we had Matt Cairns on, so he'll be super chuffed with that and, yeah, that is the one that sticks out and then there's a couple of us in there as well, um, Amtel at home to Ealing, I mean, They've had a real, you know, thanks for the fixture list, boys. they got a jersey and then Ealing. Um, and then sort of sit bottom of the table after game two. But Tommy would be spitting feathers. But, you know, if anyone's turning Ealing over, um, they're going to have something about them. So, yeah, tough start for Amtel, but great start for Ealing. Five points again. And, uh, you know, fair, fair play to those guys. And then I think the the high-scoring match of the of the weekend, the blue Scottish game forty nine thirty six. It's classic blues, isn't it? It's uh I don't know what you, yeah, <laughs> your thoughts on that. But it was ah, uh, I think they were they were quite a long way out, and then um, Scottish pulled them back. And like I said, it's that are uh, they starting to gel a bit?
1: Yeah, it's, it's yes yeah, it's that that easy one, isn't it? It's the easy line to take with the the Bedford games. They're always entertaining, high scoring affairs. Certainly when we when we face each other, we're facing off at the weekend. We'll talk about that later on. But yeah, I mean, I expected I expected Bedford to come through that with a, with a bonus point win. They did. I think they did have a bit of a scare. Um, it got pretty close at one point. I think uh, Scottish's mall was was causing them some problems at one point. Um, but yeah, an, an improvement from both sides, really. Bedford, you know, notching up nigh on 50 points. Uh, another cracking try from Dean Adamson and uh, taking his try of the week ground that he likes to do so normally um, and yeah and Scottish scoring 36 points away from home at Goldington Road I mean normally that would probably be enough for you to get the win so they'll be probably be disappointed with that but I think they did pick up a, a try, scoring, try scoring bonus point in that one
2: Yeah was it the Matt Worley tr- try as well that was a Worldie I mean Matt, Matt Worldie was that, that a bit lame <laughs> but, Yeah great try
1: And then I mean Coventry's obviously they've got that, that They've got off to a flyer on that opening night against the Blues, but you know Jersey away early on in the season that's a real test, a real to see where you are, and and Jersey will be be happy to make it ten points from ten against Coventry at home and get a bit of revenge for that cup semi final uh, towards the end of the season where they were uh, they were beaten over there on the island by Cobb. So yeah, the, the, a good one, a good one for Jersey and and that, and Doncaster as well a bounce back, you know disappointment. They would have gone to Ealing, they would have been confident having done the double last year. Um, you know, maybe an early an early title uh, title battle game, and and didn't break take any points home. Uh, but they've gone to Hartbury. another tricky place to go. If you if you're not on it, you can get punished. But they've come away with the five points there, thirty four points to sixteen in in favour of the Knights.
2: Yeah, I was you know I was a little bit surprised at the the cov the cov final result, but I think it was looking at the the feeds and things on the day it was quite close for a certain time, and then Jersey have just pulled away. Is that because they're a more settled team now, um, you know that they're, they're into their cycle. They've had some players come back from injury. I know TJ Harris had a, had a really good game, got in our team of the week. I know TJ personally, and he's had a real rough time with injuries. So, I'm uh, really pleased that he's he's got a good performance in. And you know that they, they, they were the tries they scored as well. They were they were scoring. You know that you know you're. Your backs tries, your forwards tries. They, you know, they've they've put on a real good show there. And I think they had a pretty good attendance as well, Jersey. So that's good to see. And like I say, Donny bouncing back. They needed that. They needed that. It's going to be one of those seasons. you got to stay, got to keep winning. Just stay with Ealing, don't you? It's going to be like that all year. These teams, Jersey, Pirates, they have got to, got to be on it. Donny got to be on it every week because... Ealing are red hot favourites.
1: Yeah and then finishing off round two uh, we travelled to to Nottingham came away with a win in the end 23-19 but you know a real tough tough fixture I think Nottingham had a good 1,100 people there on their you know first game of the season the place was bouncing bowl accounts and you know you can't you can't underestimate any team when they're, when they're playing in front of a decent home crowd they can raise their game and they're improved this season I thought they looked strong on paper and made life very difficult for us actually and, and at one point didn't look like uh, I think it was 19-9 early in the second half and looked like one that was getting away from us a little bit of a banana skin if you like sort of a la Hartbury away last year when we lost and people probably didn't expect it but yeah we we, we went back to the power game uh, we went over from a from a driving mall to get the penalty try and and then I think we, we returned the kickoff and went the other end and, and literally scored two in two minutes and those 14 points pretty much won us the game in that little two-minute period in the yellow card for for Charlie Thacker. So, yeah, we'll be pleased to just win that win that game away from home, you know, first away game of the season. It's a, yeah, I think it might be a tricky place to go for a few few players this, a few teams this season. It, it will depend on their uh, dual reg availability. I think they had a couple of um, very, very decent young uh, Leicester Tigers in there. Cam Henderson in the second row, very good player who are right and, and obviously uh, Jordan Oliver Fella coming in at fullback as well. So, yeah, good. happy to get the win for us.
2: Yeah, when I like, like I just mentioned previously that I, I caught with Paves and I had an afternoon with him and he was talking about um he won't mind me saying this, the, the, the change in players from for pirates and and how the, the age di- the age dynamic has changed slightly and it's a bit of a younger younger pack. So I think that result will do that group the world of good. I mean, you know, you you're losing for the majority of the game and then to come back and win it start to grow arms and legs as Martin Hines used to say at Bedford and you know that's that'll be a great great one for the group as a whole but also for the coaches and as as pirates we'll, we'll, I think we'll take more from that than probably the first game of the season and I think that'll uh, hold them in good stead coming into the upcoming fixtures.
1: Right it's time for today's guest we are joined by London Scottish's Harry Shepherd. Harry thanks for joining us and how are you mate?
0: Yeah no problem lads thanks for inviting me on um yeah very well mate very well looking forward to uh we got a big game at the weekend against Jersey, so uh, yeah, looking forward to it.
1: We'll uh, we'll get into your story in a minute, your rugby story. But I suppose first things first. How the first couple of weeks of the season gone up at Scottish?
0: Um, do you know what, mate? Um, a bit bit of a mixed bag. I mean, on the back of pretty decent pre season for us and uh, and the club, obviously the change changing over the, the hands and and Rushy coming in and people like that. On the back of a back of a decent pre season, the first couple of weeks have been a bit little bit disappointing. Um, Results-wise, I mean, we started off. Nottingham really wasn't a great performance for us, um, and then we 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 put a bit bit more together against Bedford at the weekend, but just come up a little bit short. But um, we're, we're building, we're going in the right direction, so that's that's the positive we take
2: from those couple of weeks, mate. Top man, nice nice one, chef. Good to have you on. Um, before we dive into a little bit more deeper around what Scottish are up to this season, um, and sort we of maybe touch on a little bit of last year as well, because. I've I was conscious that I was getting stuck into you guys a fair yeah. bit on the, across, the, across the channels. I know Hanksy quite well, so it was a bit of, bit of fun, that was. But I just yeah. want to just take it back a little bit, mate, just to, just to the start of your career. If you can, uh, cause it nearly didn't happen for you, by all understanding. I've deliberately not gone too deep into it researching, but if you could just sort of enlighten us a little bit on the, on the early parts of your career
0: um early parts mate I mean I was always like you do as you grow up in your sort of academy systems and so on but um early part really the, the big the big sort of the hurdle we had to get over was I got diagnosed with a brain tumor at 13 which obviously was a bit bit of a shit of didn't didn't really know too much about rugby and what, what would happen post post that but um yeah no that was that was quite quite an alarming one and then once once kind of got that out of the way um, I think it was about a year or so before I could get back playing. It was so um, we didn't really know what was going to happen. Sort of post fourteen, fifteen, and then then tried to get back into things, mate. Really, and and uh, went back into academy systems probably from about sixteen onwards. It was,
2: mate. That's um, I, d- I didn't realize it was it was a, a serious act. So you're thirteen years old. So you when you've you've brushed it off a little bit there, just you oh, know, yeah, back in a year. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> um, it's, um, yeah. What was like? You know, how, how did you sort of sort of approach that? Has it has it sort of helped you a little bit now in, in in your career to go through an experience like that?
0: Yeah, mate. I, I mean, I've, obviously, I've been asked about it a lot. It's probably why I've just just like you said, dismissed a little bit there. But um I mean, at the way I approached it at the time was I, I wasn't quite as aware of sort of the seriousness of it. And I mean, of if, if something if you got diagnosed with that sort of stuff, now you probably think immediately. Bloody hell, there's a bit more a bit more to life than rugby and stuff, obviously, but. Um, I remember at the time I, the, the surgeon I had, the bloke the way he described it was literally you got like a bit of rubbish in a bin, and we're just going to lift the lid, take the rubbish out, and put the li- bin lid back down. So because I was because I was kind of a bit young and didn't really understand it all, that was kind of how I processed it. Um, he kept it very very simple with things, and and so did so did mum and dad to be honest. So I kind of kind of processed it in in my own way that way, and kind of just sort of, yeah just took it just took it as it was made to be honest. Um, and then just in terms of how it is with me now, yeah, I'm, we're lucky to play the game, aren't we? And any time, any time, especially in the champ. But um, it's just kind of uh, just lucky to do it still, mate. Lucky I got 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 a second chance at it once I got back into things, and um, yeah, it gives you gives you a little bit of extra motivation as to why why I'm doing it still. So
2: yeah, and and like you say, and I think sort of not I didn't have a... a, a Quite a serious one as you, but at seventeen it was nearly gone with a with a double ACL, and it's it does change your perspective on a little bit. It gives you we players have a lot of resilience anyway, Um, but it does. I think I think you kind of enjoy it a little bit more because you know it could be gone quite quickly, Uh, and you can definitely do that in the champ, that's for sure. Where did where did you where were your academy contracts, and where did you? uh, sort of did think this could be a potential career for you
0: all, all of the younger stuff mate for your EPDG stuff and whatnot was all done at Sarries. They, they had an affiliation with Kent Rugby um so obviously I've grew up down in Bromley so that was all done there and it was only really like I said when I got back into things sort of post sort of 15 years old 16 years old um that was all at Northampton um at a couple of years up that way um and then that was where I really sort of tried to kick on again and thought you know maybe this this could be like you say a career or there could be someone at the end of it.
2: And who was who was um, who was at Saints then? Who would have been your A coaches then? Coaches thing. I had um,
0: Simon Sinclair. Right.
2: Oh, yeah. There?
0: Yeah. He's I think he's at Ealing now, doing bits at Ealing now. Simon Sinclair was, was there with me, and then we had Mark Hopley. We had Alan Dickens. Then we had I'd, I'd quite a few. Quite, quite a few good coaches there at Saints, to be honest.
2: Had a bit of an impact on the way you want to play because they play it the right way, don't they, Saints? Yeah, and then your your first then sort of uh champ experience would have been with Scottish, would it? Your first your first champ
0: gig? Yeah, literally I'd, uh, the first champ gig was I think I'd just done my first. It was literally my first senior academy year at, at Wasp when I moved back to London. That was, and then on the back of that, it was yeah my first champ rugby stuff was was with Scottish. Um, I remember coming in? It was we had Pete Richards. Um, Head coach then, and Tim Payne and a couple others that that were there at the time, um, and that was I was still pretty young then. I, I was nineteen then coming in, so that was that was an experience coming coming sort of my first real taste of men's rugby, um, and that was yeah that was at Scottish as well. So I've kind of gone full circle to now, mate. Yeah. Yeah. What's
2: what year was that, Shep?
0: Twenty. What would that be? Nineteen. So twenty-six now. What uh, six seven years ago was that? Twenty-six. 20. In 2016,
2: was it? Yeah, so I'm just I'm just sort of trying to track it on my career and sort of I think we probably would have played against each other, but I'm just trying to like a bit of a loaded question as we do ask some guests, but you know you've you've been if we've been in the league you've been in the league for seven years there there are thereabouts now, you know what what's your current sort of thoughts around the league from where it was to where it is now? It's been a you know there's obviously the, the well-publicised funding cuts, but I'm kind of interested on the on-field stuff. Like, what, what, has, it, has it come on, is it, or is it sort of apart? a
0: par? Um It's an interesting one. I was, I was actually having this chat with, um, with Bouge on Saturday um, up at the game at Bedford and, and sort of saying that, I, I don't know whether it's an, an age thing or what, but when I first come in, obviously being young and being sort of getting your first taste of men's rugby and being exposed to that level... The level when I think when I first came in, like you say, seven years ago was was pretty fucking high. Or for what I thought was pretty high. And you had teams in the league like you say, like Yorkshire, Carnegie at the time who were massively strong and, and had a lot of seasoned pros in there. Um and then comparing that, comparing that to now on, on how things are, I don't know, if, I think one of the young lads at Quinns called me a bloody old head the other day at 26, which which was interesting. First time I've been called one of them. But um but now level wise, I don't know. I, I mean you've still got like you look you look at your, your top four now that you you put them into the league like you say four or five years ago. They they're mixing it with with those sorts of sides. I wouldn't say that the league as a whole's gone down a level as such, but I, I I seem to remember the level of the league definitely being I, I don't know, it was really, like you said, an age thing or what, but but a little bit stronger. Some of the sides, maybe just sides in general, being being a little bit stronger to how they are now. Standard wise,
2: I I've I've, I've watched a great deal. I'm across it a bit, but like like we just said, that the guys do do bounce up in it. I think it's sort of testament to the to the players in the league. And if we go back sort of around London Scottish, we'll we'll touch on Bedford a bit as well. But um, actually, we'll get, let's go let's go down the Bedford route now. So you went from Scottish to Bedford. How how, how did you find find your experience at Bedford and I mean, I love that place as a player, uh, but it's, it's it's a different dynamic because you're not a full-time player, it. Really. Yeah. Um, do you know
0: what? I absolutely love my two years at Bedford, mate. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of those two years, to be honest. So I remember the biggest thing I met when I first went there, because obviously I was still learning, still pretty young when I went there, I was 21. And I remember the way, the Bedford way that, they, you know, they talk about. And I remember Mikey used to, Mikey and, and certainly Bougie in particular, completely changed my thought process on how to attack and how to play because I come from Scottish where we're incredibly structured and you had exits so we're going from here here and here and Mikey sort of flipped my thinking on things and and you know you're encouraged to play a lot more um so I actually I did I did really enjoy that and certainly where that then took my get my own my own game to um developing attacking wise um but yeah no Bedford was Bedford's was fantastic mate I love the place, love living there. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great, great move for me to be honest. I mean, you were one of the Spice Boys, is that right? <laughs> I, was, I mean, I that for a little while, yeah, I was one of the Spice Boys. There was a few of us in there, yeah. a <laughs> name and got a name and shame them. Get one. We, we had Bouge, we had um, shout out Elliot Clements Hill. He's he's not involved anymore with with rugby, but uh, Bouge, Dino, um, Lena, uh Edgy, of course, um, leading from the front. Couple, yeah, quite a few of us. I'm neither way in the end, seven or eight of us. Ed Taylor, Cubby, yeah, he has a few of them,
2: mate, still floating about. So. how did Tails make that? Jesus Christ, Tails was his energy, mate. Tails was his energy, you know that, <laughs> yeah. Ed, Ed loves it, you mate. Get him on the opera late on one the us, great, going, great crack. Yes. But, um, mate, what a place to go out, um, and socialize. Bedford, they get that side right, haven't they? And it's, um, Mike, Mikey gives you a bit of rope, but you know, obviously, you, you don't take the piss like we used to, but, um. It's, 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 it's a good atmosphere off the field and it's good to hear that you enjoy it and I think sort of this is where I don't want to be like too too much of a knob here but we're speaking frankly about sort of Scottish over the last two years and we don't want to throw anyone under the bus but it's it's been a rough rough couple of years and it's just sort of if you mate, don't throw yourself under the bus but if you can just give just a bit of insight as to you know why the results were so poor last year and and kind of your experience of it?
0: It has been a, a rough couple of years, um, the last couple of years at the club. I mean, things, things that we have in place certainly this year in terms of how things are this year, it, it was more of an eye-opener to, to what we missed, say, last year or the last couple of years, That things that you, you kind of overlook, um, which no wonder come, come the weekend you're you sort of paying for. Um, I think I think certainly when I went back to scholarship, it was obviously a different different place. I think like teams, a lot of teams have gone to part time, like we said, um, and so on. I think almost I don't think I don't think club mind me saying. I think the the part time mentality of things kind of kind of took over and, and took over with, within the squad as well. That that the level of professionalism maybe wasn't as as high as what as what it was when it's full time. And I think I think that almost went to an extreme at times. On, on like you say with it being part-time and, and losing that professionalism and discipline and everything else that you'd, you'd want within the rugby environment so I think that then to be honest like you said to the outside world then reflected especially on come Saturday when you're looking at you know, how many points you're conceding and, and no wins or,
2: or one win in the season sadly. Mate I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really important point and interesting point because when I went to Bedford I'd been in I was a full-time rugby player for 10 years up until that point and I kind of and at Bedford, there is still that professional attitude um, to training. To when you're, at, you're there, you're fully on it. But you, you, the guys are working. And I think if I'd have had that at the start of my career, where I was doing my gym sessions at five, I was going to work and then doing your doing your rugby after. It just you don't you're almost more professional because you want the most out of the session when you're there because your time's so short. And then like you say if that wasn't there at Scottish, then that impacts. Um, results and, and morale within the squad, but without with guys that have never done it, it's a really difficult thing to drop a Bedford model into a London Scottish or until do it well and, and other clubs do it well. But maybe that's one of the reasons for it is just just the, the lack of experience as well.
0: It, it was just a, it was just an interesting one. Like I, I I found it quite an interesting year. I've never had a year in rugby like it. I mean, I can't remember how many people have. But it was yeah, it was it was a it was a tough year and and it was like you say being exposed back to the disciplines and back to the sort of the non negotiables that you have to have within that rugby environment. And again, that we've now got this year, it really open rises to the lack of it, say in the last year or a couple of years.
2: And then we can, we can flip it positively now, can't we? Again, like it's, you know, Quins Quinns are involved quite heavily. There's, there's a strategic plan there. And what, what's been, we spoke a little bit, but like what, what's the, the new, the new coaching staff, um, like Red Passion, isn't he? He got um Yeah. You know, he's got a really good coaching group. Yeah yeah, 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 Joe Gray, young coaching group. But obviously with the support of Quinn's down the road, it's you know, what how's that sort of been implemented? I'm sort of predicting that you guys will be pretty good some round five or six, but you know, how's how's the dynamic of the squads looking?
0: Um, do you know what, mate? Um Obviously, like you, you've got this strategic partnership that come in, and, and nobody really knows how it's going to bed in. You know, like you said, it's, it may take a little bit of time, but I think from, from day one of, of pre season, we had like Brushy, uh, Brian Redpath, and, and Joe Gray, and Gerald Mullen, the bats coach, attack coach. They kind of set out, like you said, what, what they want to get out of the season, what's happening with this partnership, and what we're buying into. And that was probably minute one from pre season. And then since then, obviously, as that's then gone on, the Quinn boys have come in. It's actually happened pretty seamlessly with those guys, and we all seem to be on the pretty on on one page, and that we've we've, we've fully bought into it. Um, Rushi's been brilliant, certainly at, at instilling, like I said, those disciplines again you've you've got a director of rugby there who he, he demands sort of those high levels of performance, and again that's that's up to the squad now to then start. Meet, meet that and then you've got the good balance of of the two coaches certainly certainly joe gray and um G the way they have the manner with the boys and and bonding with us and getting across what it is that they want from us um i can't i really i actually can't fault it to be honest um they've been brilliant in sort of putting together what is a relatively almost almost a fully new squad you've got a few boys still there but but pretty much a new group of lads that have to get on the same page pretty
2: quickly yeah i, I didn't realize Jared is there because he's, he's obviously moved from the head of quinn's rugby as uh, ladies the ladies team there so he's he's a good bloke he's got a lot of coaching experience as well across across all levels so you know that that level of experience will will help you as a backliner i imagine and also like you say the transition with the quinn's he's, he knows the quinn's model he knows the players and then Players now are used to guys dropping in and out in the championship. When I first started, I fucking hated it. But then you get used to the the DRS, and it's it is a more seamless move. And it's you know what what sort of the balance between the the, the, the Queens and the, the the contracted Scottish players.
0: You mean in terms of number numbers wise? You mean or
2: yeah, yeah, sort of numbers. Yeah, so sort of like you know at the weekend, how many DRS did you have, and you know what what would. This weekend we, we've got about
0: in total. I think there's about ten lads that come that come to us each each week. You know, um, and then of that of those ten, maybe two or three could be held back by Quins, and then a few of them could be in the starting lineup. So We could end up with, with, like you say, seven seven lads starting from from Quins as as DRs. Um And so the balance the balance seems to be pretty good, to be honest. And they're, and they're good lads that come in. Um, we did have a couple of them towards sort of the end of last season. So those ones that have then returned have actually sorted in quite well. So the balance, the balance they've actually, to be honest, they've, they've got they've got pretty right, I'd say.
2: And then I think you are our first London Scottish guest. So just uh, for the listeners, what is what is the um, how does the training week look for you, man?
0: Um, training week for us now. Um, we train over at Grasshoppers, um, just out so just out by Isleworth, out just outside of Richmond. Um, so we we pretty much we rock up there on a Tuesday Thursday. We're there at, at the minute um sort of you getting in like you say standard time about half five bit of physio stuff and then we have team meetings and so on um 6 30 onwards and out on pitch and our sessions are about two hours long because obviously you only get limited time together between the weeks so we, we have we do really take the most of that we're on pitch literally ready to go seven o'clock and we're, and we're done bang on the dot sort of nine
2: o'clock Not, you don't have a Monday session then and then you do
0: your S&C in your own time S&C's all done um, he sends the plans out all done in your own time obviously lads with different jobs like you say um, some will do it pre-work I'm, I've got the luxury of I'm, I'm PTing from home at the minute um, so I've got, I've got the luxury of doing it from there but um, you yeah, know all s done away from the club and then any extras like do you know what I mean if if boys can get in early enough, um I get I get in like you say about half four or so, do a little bit of kicking before seeing the physios and keep keep myself going and then uh and into it sort of six six ish, six thirty
2: onwards until about
0: nine o'clock, mate.
2: In terms of you personally, so you're 26, you're a young pup. I know the boys are thinking you're an old bastard now, but you're not young. Is there still aspirations to, to sort of bounce back up or you're pretty pretty settled, settled in the champ? Obviously, I mean I, I made my Prem debut at 30, mate, so there's always hope. Yeah, mate.
0: No, no, mate, there's there's always there's always that ambition. Of course there is. Um it, there's always that ambition, like you say, if you are playing well enough, you you want to be seen. Certainly it's, it's a great place for us this year to be seen by, by Harlequin, obviously. Um but the ambition's there to, to to definitely play if I can get up into the, into the premiership and, and and make debuts up there, whether it be at 30, mate, or in the next couple of years, I'm not sure. But
2: um but no this, definitely there I think the thing is now if you're like between 24 and 28 you're almost sort of well outpriced (laughs) but if you go like over the other end you might be a bit cheaper and you might get a gig mate
0: (laughs) yeah you never know mate you never know (laughs) but no there's there's, the ambitions there mate I mean I'm I I do like I was trying to explain it to, to some of the young lads I do I do love this league though I do love the championship um and and playing in it and and sort of it, it it it's been a it's been a bloody good league for me to to sort of keep playing my rugby and it is it is for anyone playing in the league um and like you said you spoke about elena and elena and other boys earlier you you're performing and you're playing well on a consistent basis you you will get you'll get your shot to go up there so um that's now that, that ambition's definitely still there mate absolutely
2: mate, mate, i love that and uh do the boys listen to the podcast, or is it like you know? Does it, what's what's the take on it from the ground? You know, I get a few few inklings. Like a
0: couple of lads, a couple of lads might might stop listening to it when you when you give us hard time. I reckon, but no, um, I'm sitting there. boys are listening in, mate? no, no it's, it, to be honest, that it's it's been. I mean, how long we've been having it going now for, but. Um, I I really enjoy it. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a rugby noise anyway, but you you gotta be in it. But um no, I I I'm really enjoying it. A lot of the boys do. I know you like you say, you know, Hanksy and, and Bakes from, from last year was with us at Scottish and back now back at Hamptil. Um they, they get they get into it quite heavily with you, don't they? So I
2: think it's I think like we we started it up like just to just to spread the love and you spoke really positively around around the league. I've spent my whole career in it. I uh, you know, I'm really passionate about it and it's good that you know, there's, there's personalities within the league that get to share share their stories, and you know it's been a been a like really interesting listening to yours and and the, the Scottish model and the, and the journey that you guys on right from when you were 13. I think it's you know it's really fascinating, and that's just just one person at one club, isn't it? There's all those stories all around the league. It's it's, it's fascinating league.
0: Well, absolutely, mate. I, it's it's brilliant league. I mean, like. <laughs> I, I always like to say when you mentioned it earlier, I always try and like brush brush mine off because I, I get asked about it. Do you know what I mean? I'll, when I do this sort this sort of stuff, um, and you don't want to come across as you know the old sob story at uh, that club or anything like this. But like you said, there's characters all around the league. Boys, boys that you play with. The good good thing about the champolike is you, you play with lads in one in one year and then they move off to another club and and so on. That you, you kind of get the same sort of lads in and around the league all the time, and you know what what they bring to sides and what they're like to live with and. And things like that so Ed, edgy up at donny i'm sure he's gone down a treat
2: top boy edgy but mate it's pl- pleasure having you on today um chef and uh like right, good good luck with the weekend this weekend and um hopefully hopefully i'll have you down for a few wins on the predictions later in the season but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see <you. laughs> all the best mate and thanks, thanks for coming on
0: top man thank you very much cheers guys That was the Championship Clubs Podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at champclubspod on Instagram and Twitter.